You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710-KURV. Here's Sergio. 710-KURV is your station in South Texas for Dave Ramsey. You know, Dave, you've been following Dave for some time. He hates credit cards. I mean, get rid of all your credit cards. I know that's not the case uh, for some of y'all tuning in right now, hardworking people. They say that over 6 in 10 Americans have credit cards and multiple credit cards in our country. So to credit card or not to credit card, let me bring in Michael Davidson. He's a certified financial planner. Mike, appreciate your time today. So what say you, Mike? Yes or no? Multiple credit cards or no credit card at all? You know, this weekend, it's cooler weather here in Dallas, and I tried to buy a sweatshirt. A $25 sweatshirt. It was on sale at a local box store. Gave uh, the lady at the checkout counter my debit card. She said, sir, would you like a credit card? We have Mm -hmm. a point offering. I said, no, thank you. I'm great. She said, sir, are you sure you don't want our credit card? It will give you these benefits. I said, no, thank you. I'm great. Then I went to pay the card. I put pay for the sweatshirt. I put my debit card into the machine and then had to decline another offer on the, the credit card offer on the machine. So in order to buy one sweatshirt in Dallas, I had to say no to a credit card three times. Why is this? I can see a real funny SNL skit to come up come out of this just uh yeah. but we, we're we pushed don't need into multiple yeah. credit cards yeah we need less credit cards yeah. and the article uh, this was a Fox News article that was written encouraging Americans to use multiple credit cards because it'll help them with their spending and it's not true yeah. the article was sponsored by a lender a mortgage lender that actually provides mortgage loans and then um, benefits from other credit card uh, offerings yeah. Americans need, we need less debt. We need to get healthy. Here, here. We need to change our mindset around this. And we, need to, we need to wise up and say, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to be a part of it. You mentioned all these credit card rewards. The young lady was just pushing on you constantly. But there are arguments to be made on the credit card side. Uh, for example, uh, having a, a credit score. And I'll give my mom as an example. My dad passed away more than a decade ago. My, my dad had everything under his name. Mom didn't have any credit. She wasn't on the radar. I had to get a, a secured credit card with a, a national bank, 300 bucks down, and boom, a year later, I have a credit score for mom, and she's able to get a necessary loan to fix her roof after a hurricane. Well, in, in order to create a credit score, you need a credit card. What would you say to those folks, Mike? You know, I'd say that you're putting the cart before the horse. Um, before you need a credit score... You need to have cash in the bank. If you have cash in the bank, it's amazing how people you, you become loan worthy. And so when you focus on being healthy financially, uh, as opposed to appeasing the master charge masters um, in our credit score, uh, that the, making them happy is not good for your financial health. Yeah. Ma- uh, making having a financial healthy situation gives you the opportunity so that when bad things happen, you can say, you know what, I'm going to pay for this in cash. We've saved up for this. And that's the that should be the desire for all of us. And so, uh, unfortunately, we get continually roped into this credit score 
situation and it's not healthy. Yeah. Good credit scores happen when you're financial when you are financially healthy. So let's have the focus be financial health and not credit scores. In order to achieve that arrive at that Narnia where people have cash on hand and are financially stable, uh, man, we got we have to re educate this entire nation and it's gotta start at grade school level. It's got to start at high school level. And and these are classes that have been missing our entire lives. We don't teach our children to be financially responsible, to save. We don't teach them the tools that are available for long-term saving. Uh, It just, it doesn't happen. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. No, what we give them are credit card applications. Yeah, that's true. And so colleges colleges are littered with them. Um, my kids, I've got three teenagers, they're constantly at t- telling me, Dad, I need a credit card. I need a credit card to build my SCADA score. That's what they're being taught. And you're right. They're not being taught what they really need, which is a game plan for giving, a game plan for savings, and a game plan for spending uh, what's left. Yeah. Budget. And those <laughs> three things <laughs> will be the biggest drivers for success for them. 10-4. Michael Davidson is a certified financial planner for North Texas. These days, as the economy is teeter-tottering on recession and the, the job situation is weird, we got jobs available, but nobody taking it. we got inflation all over the place. Well, folks that you're working with as a certified financial planner, what are they telling you about long-term investments, uh, how nervous they might be, You know, the market losing all its value? What do you hear from your client base, Mike? Well, this is a difficult uh, season to be an investor because uh, – because we haven't had inflation like this in decades, and we haven't had price increases like this in decades, and it scares people, and it should, because inflation is not a good thing. Uh, Inflation is typically caused by too much money in the system. Well, how do we get too much money in the system? Debt, so it really goes back to debt is not a good thing for our country. It's not a good thing for us individually. So what do we need to be successful? We need to have the right perspective, that we need a long-term perspective, investing in real estate and investing in stocks over the long term has been successful against inflation. And then we want to manage our expenses. So we want to have a plan for giving. We want to have a plan for saving money. We want to have, if we have any consumer debt, we need to get rid of it immediately. And then uh, our mortgage debt, if we have a mortgage, we want to plan to pay it off as soon as possible. The moment that we become debt-free, yes, sir. we have so much extra cash to give and to save, and it's and that's what we need to be focused yeah, on. Yeah, but that's on the individual side, Mike. Uh, look, this lack of discipline at the individual level and household level and local level, it translates exponentially by the trillions of dollars at the national level. There is no discipline at the national level. And you know what's even scary? And I was talking about this with a friend yesterday. We're indebted several generations uh, well into our great-great-great-grandchildren to pay, you know, you don't talk about taxation without representation, to pay the trillions of debt uh, that we've accumulated now. And what's scary to think, worldwide, everybody rushing to the dollar because we're the strongest. How screwed up is the world right now? How much deeper are they leveraged than the U.S.? It's a house of cards, Mike. Is this going to come down in our lifetime, or you know, how do you resolve this? Because I, I don't think we can pay all this off. Not the U.S., even worse, overseas run into the dollar because we're the strongest, least leveraged compared to them. That's crazy. You know, <clears throat> those are all real concerns. Like in those, because as you say, there, I mean, the statistics don't look good. 
I can't control what our nation is doing. I can't control what your listeners are doing. Yes, stop voting Democrat and Republican. It it, it begins, it it has to begin individually. And the people that we vote into office, you know, we should, one of the questions we should be asking them is not what credit cards are you using, but how healthy are you financially? And what type of decisions are you going to make for our country to uh, increase the debt that we pay? So we don't do a good job of asking those questions. Yeah, that's not even on our radar when we ask uh questions at debate. Great points, Mike. Hey, thank you. We'll call you again, Mike. Uh, be safe up in North Texas. Michael Davidson, Certified Financial Planner. This is the Sergio Show. Let's talk about your travel schedule, especially if you need a passport, got to renew your passport. I understand there might be some problems, some delays related to that. So let's talk travel with Miss Bond, Charlotte Bond. It's a travel expert. How you doing, Miss Charlotte? I'm doing great. How are you this morning? So how bad is the problem, this passport renewal thing? Is it really slow right now? What was going on? It's slow. It's not as slow as it was, say, six months ago. So it is getting better, and they've added more staff, and, and they you know really updated the website. You can get all the information you need on um, it's travel.state.gov. But right now, for routine, you know, if you're getting a new passport, if you've never had a passport, if you're renewing, uh, normal, they're saying seven to 10 weeks. I would probably say 12 to 14 weeks, you know, but in, just in case you can pay an extra $60 and have it expedited. And they're saying the current time on that is four to six weeks. And of course that is processing time. So that doesn't take in, you know, the mailing. Um, but if you are needing it quicker, it's worth the $60 and a little, a little, uh, secret that a lot of people don't know, call your state representative. They work for Hmm. you. And if you've had it expedited, call them and they're great at getting in there and getting it back to you uh, in a timely manner. Yeah. Call your congressperson, right? That, that, those, the staff can help you out, right? That's what you're referring to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your state rep. Yep. So let's say it's an emergency, right? And your passport expired. It's an emergency family issue. Is there uh, a... Uh, a quick route that within 24, 48 hours, uh, they can get you on a plane overseas to, you know, for a funeral or some, something like that if the yeah. documentation is expired. If it's life or death, um, it's got to be within 72 hours. You can call the uh, passport agencies and you can go to travel.state.gov, put in your zip code, and you can find those agencies. And you do have to provide proof of your travel and proof of the emergency. And those are limited appointments, but they, they can get you in. If it's a non-emergency but urgent travel, let's say you're leaving and you just realize your passport's expired, <clears throat> excuse me, as long as you're within 14 days of your travel, you can also make an appointment and go in and get that. Again, you've got to have proof of your travel, whether it's you know a printed copy of your ticket or hotel reservations or if you're going on a cruise or something like that. Um, one other thing, if you know you're traveling, check your passport for that expiration date because if it expires within mm-hmm. six months of your travel date, you're not going anywhere. Oh, so, stop you. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I know a lot of people, they get to the airport and the passport's expiring in four months. Well, guess what? They're not going anywhere. Ooh, I, well, so, you learn something new yeah. every day on this program. I'm glad, <laughs> right. I'm glad you told me that. My goodness. And I'm thinking of folks in Florida, for example, Fort Myers and just... The buzz saw that was Ian going. All these people flooded. They're, everything is lost, 
and some of these people might oh. have international travel. <laughs> They've lost their, their documentation and even uh, necessary documentation right. to get the next one. Right. In a situation like that, is, is, the, you know, is the Department of State merciful in any way and uh, willing to work with them? Uh, well, you've got to have, you've definitely got to be able to prove you're a citizen. So if that's a birth certificate um, or, you know, proof of citizenship. So, yeah, you're going to have some extra hurdles to go through. And I don't know any easy way to do that. You're, you're going to have to get a copy of that birth certificate. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would make digital copies of everything that you own, especially if you live in a state like that or, you know, where you're going to get hit with those hurricanes. Or, Just of course, we're in Texas, so, you know, we've got the tornadoes and stuff here. So yeah. it's not a bad idea to keep a copy. Um, Digital copy. Uh, so take digital copies of your passport and, and necessary documentation. Uh, will yeah. will that work over at uh, you know the passport office? Not necessarily, but it's at least worth a try. Okay, you I, know, especially if it is an emergency situation. And and I don't know, you know, it, I haven't had an emergency situation, so I haven't had to deal with with that. Yeah. Um, but you would hope that they would be. In those situations. From North Texas travel expert Charlotte Bond, we're talking about your passports. There was a delay and slowdown in passport processing some weeks back. Things are a little better. Now it will take you somewhere between 7 to 12 weeks to get your passport. Are we allowed to have a backup passport, or is that illegal? No, you can't have a backup passport. When you, um, when you apply to renew... Uh, you have to send in your passport with that renewal. You're going to get a whole new passport with a whole new passport number. Okay. So also, you know, when you're doing it by mail like that, take a photo of that passport because if something happens, it get, gets lost in the mail, you're not going to have the information you need to try to apply again. What's the cost? Generally, what, what are we talking about, Charlotte? How much money does it cost to do everything? Um, it's $130 to get a new one or get a renewal. Uh, if you have it expedited, that's an extra $60. Plus the passport and photo, that's you, 10 bucks at Walgreens or something like that. Yeah, right? the passport. Yeah. Well, we just had some made. There were 15 this time, so okay. gone up a little bit. Uh, inflation. Uh, inflation. Uh, right. And the right. documentation, obviously, uh, certified or you know, birth certificate. You know, outside of that, what else do you need? The you know, driver's license, what else do you need to send to these people? Uh, to, to uh, it, Well... To renew, if you've got a passport, you can just send in your passport. If you don't have that, you're going to need a birth certificate. Or um, if you don't have your birth certificate, you know you can always get certified copies of those. You can just go to the county clerk's office okay. uh, where you were born and get that. So you'll need that. You'll need. You'll also need to check. You check online at travel.state.gov. But in your zip code, it'll tell you the passport agencies and the acceptance facilities. Like acceptance facilities are post offices, libraries county clerks uh, that you can go into but you need to check to see if they take credit cards because a lot of them don't and you're going to need a check or money you need some money with you okay and uh, what if your passport expired like i don't know like 20 years ago you haven't traveled in 20 30 years uh, but you still have it and (laughs) you're applying for a whole new passport i just did that with my mom okay (laughs) yeah so the the old passport doesn't doesn't count and and won't count to what after it expires we have what a year or two to to use well, it no if it if you are within 15 years of the issue date not the expiration date but if you're within 15 years of the issue date you can renew 
and send that one in. But outside of that, you're going to have to apply 50. for a whole new passport, which means you're going to go into an acceptance facility or passport agency. Okay. All right. And if you're traveling overseas and you lose your passport, what? What happens? Find your U.S. embassy. Okay. Either that Again? or make your way on a cargo ship uh, to the nearest <laughs> port of Houston or, or, or maybe Brownsville yeah. and, and swim the river and, and you're in, right? Well, <laughs> it's faster. You know what happens to those cargo ships? They're sitting out in the bays. Yeah. No, I'll, stay, I'll find a way to get to Mexico and, and swim the river and come on back. I'm home. Yeah. I got a little misdemeanor. That's it. <laughs> no, I don't do that, people. I'm, I'm joking. It's, you know, biting my tongue, tongue in cheek. But hey, it's much easier to get into the country that way. Anything else that I didn't ask you, people need to know about passports, renewals, all that stuff, just basic stuff. You deal with it in the travel agency. Yeah, just, you know what, if you've got questions, call a travel agent, or if you go to the the, uh, the national website, travel.state.gov, it's got so much great information, and, you know, it, it, it'll walk you through, or do you need a brand new passport, is this the first passport, have you lost your passport, it gives all the scenarios, and it'll walk you through what you need to do, but just check your passports and see when those expiration dates, because that one's big. If it expires within six months, you're within not going. Within six months, yeah. You go to the airport, expires within six months. Boy, that's a big one that we learned today. You go, They, mm-hmm. they won't let you, like the American Airline attendant won't let you, they'll, they'll take a look at it and they won't let you travel? Or is it like the, the TSA person that will look at it and that they won't let you travel? Oh, no, it's, it's, it's at the, the ticket counter. You're not going. <sighs> wow. You're going to be left behind. All right. <laughs> that's not fun <laughs> all of a sudden I'm, I'm reminded of that scene from uh, planes trains and automobiles where he's at the car rental counter with a bubbly yeah. laughing lady <laughs> that's denying him service right. and just f-bombs all over the place yeah i can see that happening at the airport charlotte thank you yeah. charlotte, travel expert from north texas charlotte bond this is the sergio show You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids are running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 K U R B. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. Are cornflakes good for you? Might seem like a silly question, right? It's part of breakfast. When I saw this being talked about in the news pool this morning, I said, I gotta call Betty Murray and see what her opinion is. Certified nutritionist Betty Murray. All right, cornflakes. Yes or no? You take you eat those in the morning, Betty, or is too much sugar? What? What is your call? Way too much sugar. <laughs> Way too much sugar. It's not like Tony the Tiger version. It's just cornflakes, Betty. I know, but basically cornflakes consist almost completely of either corn without any fibrous whole. So when you have that corn starch, it's going to hit your blood sugar very quickly. And then if you add sugar to it or you get the frosted cornflakes, you're getting a very large hit of sugar very quickly. I know how to make them healthy, Betty. I'm going to put some banana slices on there and some strawberries. How about that? You're just going to get much more sugar. Oh, great. Much, much more sugar. So why is it that we still, after all these, literally generations now, why are we still eating 
all the sugar for breakfast then? You know, it's great marketing. That's really what it boils down to. Some of it is cultural norms. That's become kind of the thought of breakfast food rather than things that might be more healthy. And then we get an extraordinary amount of marketing, especially marketed to children, to try and drive sales of, of really unhealthy things like cereal. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if corn flakes are marketed to kids, but the sugary stuff, it, it, see, if corn flakes have too much sugar in it. Can you imagine like Tony the Tiger, the frosted flakes and then the chocolate frosted flakes and the cereal that I love, like the marshmallow ones. And I eat the marshmallow first before I eat the little oat cereal. Can you imagine how much sugar that stuff has? Extraordinary amount of sugar. Is there a place for any of these cereals in, in the daily American diet? I mean, should it be considered a dessert perhaps? You know, you would almost consider it a dessert, but here's the thing. So a lot of people love these foods. So what you can do is couple a small serving. So a portion size is one cup. Okay. So most people don't eat a cup. So you want to marry that with something that has more nutritional value. So if you had, let's say, scrambled eggs with it or to add some protein to the meal, that at least offset just the sheer volume of sugar. Even if you put milk in it, milk's going to add about eight to nine grams of, of protein, but it's going to add another 12 to 13 grams of sugar on top of that load. You know, so it, the important part, and at least what the research shows, is if we start our day with a protein-rich breakfast, then we're going to have better blood sugar control throughout the day, our brains are going to work better, and we're going to have a, a more balanced diet throughout the day because we don't have these blood sugar highs and lows that make us go reach for the next sugary treat. Nutritionist Betty Murray is my case uh, is my guest right now, and uh, we're making the case to or uh, in favor or against corn flakes. Uh, they're on the stand right now. Too much sugar, she says, as far as corn flakes, and we're not even talking about the really sugary stuff that's marketed to kids. Just a little a little side mention, Betty. Uh, for me, I'll take a little bit of uh, yogurt. Could be some of that Greek yogurt. Or maybe some of the, the like the liquid yogurt, the, the like the mango flavor yogurt. Just a small portion of that, put in a plate, and I'll put like a small handful of corn flakes, or like the chocolate. Pe- I love the, the like the chocolatey pebbles, like the Flintstones. I put some of there, and maybe a little bit of fruit. Presto, perfect dessert. But for me, it's dessert. I don't I don't eat corn flakes on a daily basis or cereal on a daily basis. I, I can't even imagine consuming that much. Ex- exclusively that much sugar on a daily basis. Man, that's that's got to – and what does that do to the rest of, of your diet or your appetite the remainder of the day? So the remainder of the day, when you have a lot of carbohydrates in the morning, what we see in studies, and it's both in children and adults, is you're going you're gonna to have a much higher carbohydrate content throughout the day because your blood sugar is varying. So you're going to have these blood sugar sort of highs and lows. What, you're going so to crave the, the, the carbs? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, just because the carbs are going to make your blood sugar go up, and then because it has no fiber, it's going to go up very quickly, and it's going to come down very quickly, which means you're going to reach for sugar again. Okay. Is there a more fiber-rich cereal that you would prefer uh, to eat then? Because you you keep mentioning that, uh, for example, cornflakes doesn't have a good fiber content. Would you prefer that we consume like more fiber-based cereal? Is, Is there a brand that you would recommend? You know, I'm not a fan really of any of the cereals because I think they all are very close to basically a dessert. But, you know, the the higher fiber ones like uh, shredded wheat are going to be at least higher in fiber. But, you know, I would say they've probably fallen out of favor. Not many people eat those. 
you know, so my preference is for someone to do things right. like eggs for breakfast and, and, you know, or an omelet, something that has protein. What about the, uh, the new brands like Kashi and some of these other brands that, that are out there that are, are saying, yeah, we have less, they, they say they have less sugar, more protein in it. What about those? They, they do have a little, a little less sugar, a little more fiber and, and extra protein. But still, when you're looking at the overall glycemic index of the foods, they're much higher than if you had a well-balanced meal that started with protein as your primary, right. your primary well, um, nutrient on the plate. I like the conversation. Eggs and bacon for breakfast. You're championing it. I'm there with you. Eggs and, and bacon, too, right? You did say bacon, right? Well, <laughs> you know, bacon every once in a while in diet is healthy for you. I would say some of the leaner, like turkey bacon, turkey oh, no, sausage, no, 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 those no. things that, that are bacon. a little cleaner, leaner, yeah, yeah. are going to be a better choice no. long term. Not, not that bacon. all saturated fats are bad, because we know a lot of that research now yeah. shows that some saturated fat can be okay in the diet. I get the pre-cooked ready to eat. Day. The bacon, I get the pre-cooked ready to eat, and I nuke it on, on top of some... Uh, uh, some paper towels and all the all the grease just you know blends into the paper towel. So uh, mine is nice and crispy. I get the uh, I get all. I try to extract as much fat out of it as possible. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that's probably yeah. a better way to do it. Where do folks find you online, Betty? Oh, uh, they can find me at bettymurray.com. Thank you, Betty, nutritionist Betty Murray. This is the Sergio Show. day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. He's the president of a Texas-based innovation company that works with a number of different industries, including aerospace, expert in aerospace engineering, James Crean. Welcome back to the program, James. Now, in the news was this astrophysicist, uh, I believe, was from Switzerland, who said, yeah, we haven't found any life on Mars yet, but uh, he's thinking the way... Or I'm guessing it's the space telescopes and how they're able to detect certain colors and hues and planets far, far away. He's, I'm thinking he's guessing we might be able to detect signs of life in planets really, really far away. What do you think, James? Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely in the cards. Um, you know, we just launched recently the James Webb Space Telescope, and, yeah. and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's already uh, giving us images directly of planets, um, you know, uh, far off uh, in the Milky Way galaxy, but that uh, we can actually start to see the planets directly. And up until now, uh, we've been only able to sort of detect the planets as they pass in front of a star. We can see the the light sort of uh, fade away a little bit, and then uh, we know that there's a planet there. But um, 
Uh, now we're actually able to see them directly, and <clears throat> the next That's generation crazy. of space telescopes might be even better at that. I don't mean to test uh, your knowledge of chemistry and physics, because my understanding is very superficial. Uh, they're looking for certain colors, uh, certain hues, and uh, in other spectrums, or they're looking for evidence of certain gases or chemicals, things like that. Could, could you, would you be able to explain what, what it is that some of these astrophysicists are looking for? What colors, what compounds, what chemicals? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, there are certain you know, you know, building blocks to, to, uh, uh, to life, right? And so if you're seeing uh, you know, carbon dioxide and water, uh, you can, you can uh, uh, start to uh, have a sense that there might be life on that planet. And you can detect that by looking using spectrometry to see the the frequencies of the light. You can uh, you can break that down, and you can start to detect what uh, chemicals are present on the planet. So if you're looking for carbon dioxide and methane uh, in some of the building blocks uh, for life, you can you can you would be able to determine that you have a possible opportunity for life to form on that planet. Why hasn't NASA? Oh, by the way, my guest right now, President of Crean, he's an expert in aerospace engineering. Why do you think NASA hasn't prioritized putting like some satellites or, or in our solar system, putting some satellites, permanent satellites, around like some ice water-based moons, you know, Jupiter, um, Saturn, where? In fact, there might be even some plumes, uh, volcanic type of activity on there. Uh, those oceans, uh, well beneath the frozen surface, there might be something there. It, it, it'd be nice if we could prioritize in our solar system the exploration or examination of that, don't you think? Well, it's, it's happening. I mean, uh, you know, it's, a, it's an evolution, if you will, of, of exploration, right? So, um, you know, NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs has been sending up probes to uh, to the to Jupiter and Saturn and you know all the way out outside the solar system um, and and those are you know have typically been flybys and and it takes a lot of energy a lot of fuel in order to uh, put them in orbit or something like that but as we're continuing to develop the infrastructure in the solar system we're going to be putting uh, fuel bases and that type of thing like on the moon or we're actually our company is involved in in developing the communication systems mm. to uh, to support the you know infrastructure build on the moon and also on Mars that's coming in the next you know within the next uh, decade here and and that's going to allow us to to use that as a base to do that kind of exploration that you're talking about in a much more detailed way and and who knows maybe uh, maybe we'll have uh, uh, you know, be able to, to travel and vacation on the, the moons of uh, Jupiter or Saturn someday. That'd be something. That'd be so Because much like we have rovers on Mars, I, mean, I'd, I wish at least in my lifetime I could see some rovers on some of those ice moons and maybe digging and drilling deep to, to see if they can punch the water and find anything uh, down there. Uh, my guest right now from Crean Industries, aerospace engineering expert James Crean. And if I could talk propulsions with you real quick... Uh, how close are we to finally developing, launching a more nuclear-based propulsion system where we can get to, let's say, Mars 10 times faster? And, and you know, instead of waiting all those months, maybe we could just be there in a few weeks. Are we close to that scenario? 
Uh, you know, it's in work. Um, there's uh, there's definitely technology development that has to happen in order to get there. You know, right now uh, we're working on systems like the Space Launch System and SpaceX's uh, Starship rocket that, uh, that'll that get us to Mars probably in about three months um, and uh, uh, and be able to, to to deliver a lot of uh, a lot of payload, a lot of cargo, uh, in order to support um, manned uh, operations and, and that on Mars. Um, the technology for fusion reactors is continuing to develop, and the the fuel for that fusion is probably uh, uh, going to be mined off of the moon and, and other locations, so that we can use that to power spacecraft but we can also uh, we're also looking at mining uh, water there's actually water been detected on the moon and we can break that into hydrogen oxygen break that down into fuel components and use that so there's many different paths that are that are being worked by scientists around the world in order to develop the different types of technologies that'll take us take us you know across the solar system and, and actually beyond and and uh, you know, at the, the pace of technology development, I wouldn't be surprised to to see uh, you know uh, near uh, light speed or or even beyond. Who knows? Uh, transportation That'd be uh, in the future. Wow! If we just get some probe, shoot it deep into space, and over many many years, several generations. Can you imagine several generations down the road at the close to speed uh, light speed? Um, oh, it's, it's phenomenal! Right? The pic- I mean, the, the automobile was just invented yeah. in what 1886 or something, right? Yeah. And and, uh, and now it's we're the... talking about how do we how do we uh, travel across the solar system well, and and out to the stars? So it's, it's the advancement of technology is phenomenal. If they could just find a pill to maybe live, make me help me live a hundred more years, I'd love to see all this because <laughs> every time that Artemis thing, they they get another fuel leak, like crap. They just they they keep delaying the whole moon mission thing. I want to happen now, man. I, and, and I see Me too. <laughs> right NASA, uh, you know, stumbling to the finish line. And Elon Musk, he's just like lights and, and for other friends and, and private sector developing technology much fa- much faster than NASA. I'm going, man. I'm thinking Elon should just take over the whole thing, just um, and, and other friends in industry, and just go to the go to the moon as quickly as possible because they can't even fix a fuel leak on Artemis right now. It's so frustrating, brother. Well, NASA's actually been doing a really good job of commercializing uh, space, sort of a, uh, you know one one element at a time, and and you know that's uh, that's why you know we have you know, systems like uh, like Starship under development because NASA's really encouraging that commercial development. And you got so many other rocket programs also that are that are in development. Uh, and 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 launching, we have I think six different rocket systems now uh, out of the United States, and and that's going to just continue to to, uh, to to you know continue to develop, um, and then just all the other supporting technologies, like just the commercialization of communication, deep space communication was what that's what NASA did all of that, and now they're commercializing that, and that's, yeah. that's what's allowing us to develop this commercial. You know, basically, internet for the solar system and expanding the internet out to the solar system. It's it's just it's super fun well, stuff. It's amazing yeah. what's going on. There's so much development in the private sector. You know, NASA's been supporting that pretty uh, pretty readily. So, okay, it's a good partnership. 
James Crean uh, with Crean Industries, expert in aerospace engineering. Uh, his specialty, communication systems, as he told us moments back, helping out NASA set up that communication system with the moon. Uh, you know what, brother? Be, be sure to text me, give me the heads up. If, if you ever get, get closer or discover... Uh, that Star Trek subspace uh, channel thing, <laughs> where they're able to talk in real time <laughs> from you know one star system to the next. I, I okay, I, NASA. I don't know how you're going to explain that one, but anyway, if you, if you figure it out, please, please, I want the first interview on that one. Thank you, you bet, and you, you got it. <laughs> thank you, James. That's James Green with Crean Industries. This is the Sergio Show. Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710-KURV and KURV.com. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. According to a new study, there might be a link between poor sleep and several mental health disorders. From BrainTap, CEO of BrainTap, I welcome back Nicholas Saldestani. Nick, welcome back. So tell me a bit more about this study and your quick opinion of it. Well, you know, we study uh, sleep a lot at BrainTap, but more importantly, a lot of studies have been done on sleep. So generically, uh, studies as high, say as high as 76% of all ailments are due to bad sleep practice. So it's not surprising to see a study like this coming out of California that's talking about significant issues with sleep because we're all different. And sometimes, you know, we can get away with bad sleep practice and other people can't. So uh, I think that's very common that we see these types of studies in, in certain people. But sleep is super important. You know how they say eight hours of sleep. You're an adult, eight hours of sleep. You're a kid, nine, ten hours of sleep. But is, is that true for everyone, Nick? I mean, I know some people that they run on four or five hours sleep and they function just fine. In fact, it seems that they work better on only four or five hours of sleep. Uh, why is that, Nick? Well, again, I'm going to come back to we're all snowflakes. We're all very different. And uh -huh. I don't think there's any study that fits everybody. Um, but there are some, you know, common things we have. And, and, and so I think I know friends like you do that can get by on a lot, little, a lot less sleep. Sometimes that catches up with them, like they do it because their work requires them to do that. And then, you know, years later, they have some significant, you know, issues in their life. Uh, I mean, things like Parkinson's and things like that. So I don't say those are tied. But my point is, is that sometimes you can't cheat life and, and, and try to get extra time. It's important, though, I think, for everyone to understand the best researcher is themselves. And so it's a matter of how are you feeling? And when you're sleeping well, you're thinking really clearly, you're sleeping consistently every night, and then most importantly, you're performing really well. So when you're feeling like you're not on your A game, 
that's when I, you know, you've got to really think about your sleep. And there's so many products out there today that measure sleep from the Apple Watch, the Whoop, the Aura Ring. You can actually find out what you're actually doing as you sleep now and, and get a sense of how you fit <laughs> to the norm. Yeah. Nicholas Saldestani, a CEO of BrainTap. Uh, I bring him aboard because in the news, the, there's this University of California Irvine study on sleep and the potential or lack of sleep, uh, bad sleep. And the potential connection uh, of that to certain mental health disorders. They were listing things like um, autism, Tourette's, anxiety. So, does this beg another study, Nick, where you get people who are continuously anxious or, you know, are blurting out stuff like Tourette's, folks with autism? Do we need another study where they actually sleep eight, nine, ten hours and see if it improves their condition? Is that where this is leading? Well, I think that where we're going right now is that we, I grew up diet and exercise, diet and exercise. That was what it was about being well and being healthy. And now we're including, in essence, brain health, which has a lot to do with the sleep pattern. Um, when we sleep, we go through these wonderful stages. We go down into deep sleep, then we come back up into light sleep, then we go down again, up again. And this study talks about what happens when you're disrupted. And, you know, when you're at the top of your lighter sleep, that's very common that people are, you know, waking up, they're going to the bathroom, especially as you get a little older. And so any interruption is not great. And, and so the bottom line is we want to try to keep consistent and so there's a few things we can do to bring that flow state back to our sleep, which will help. And, and coming back to your question, uh, without question, I think as we go forward, we're going to see more and more research on what happens when we do sleep a little longer. Because I think our general tendency right now is we've moved from sort of eight hours to six hours as the norm or uh, six and a half hours. And, and maybe that wasn't so good for us. Yeah. Sleep expert Nick Saldestani is my guest. Describe the circadian rhythm for working people. What is that? It's very simple. What what we're doing, so we're, our body is a clock, and the circadian rhythm is basically that 24-hour biological clock that without light, without anything, our body is going to do certain things. And so as a child, we actually are developing our circadian rhythm. That's why a baby will go to sleep at any point, wake up at any point, eat at any point. But as we get older, and it doesn't take that much time as we develop, um, we start to get into this, you know, sleep for about eight hours, nine hours, eat three times a day type of thing at certain intervals during the day. And that whole clock process is what the circadian rhythm is all about. And so this article is talking about you don't want to disrupt the circadian rhythm. Well, let's go with what disrupts our circadian rhythm the most is, is jet lag. You know, we, we go to, you know, Europe, and that's about, you know, six to nine hour time zone difference. We immediately feel it. So this is what interrupting uh, circadian rhythm isn't that good. And that's where, you know, products like BrainTap and, and our, you know, Brain Fitness app that we have um, actually uh, resets uh, the circadian rhythm. And you want to reset it. You want to stay consistent. That's that's a big ingredient to making sure you don't get interrupted. The circadian rhythm was something that popped up in conversation with my 15-year-old because he just he cleared the flu, and he was going through that cycle. You know how it is, like when, when you got something, some bug, and then at the end of the day, it's like during the daytime sunup, during the day, 
You don't feel as weak. Yeah. You don't feel as sick. But then comes sundown, and sun goes away, and it's time for you to shut down. Oh my goodness! It hits you like a bag of bricks. And I told him it's probably. I told him it probably has to do has something to do with your cycle, your daily circadian rhythm. Uh, I suspect because it seems to be the same for everybody, right? Yeah, no, because our, what's happening is w- the light is a dominant part of our clock system. And, you know, as we get older and we get better and better, you know, I love, I don't know about you, but I sometimes love just guessing what time it is in the morning. So I wake up and I say, oh, it looks like it's probably about 646. And my gosh, how close it can be sometimes. And that's because our body does figure this stuff out. And so what your son went through is, you know, the fact it's getting darker was triggering his body to say, okay, it's time to shut down. And when you're sick, then shutting down means you got to go rest. And when you're sick, it's it's probably a good yeah. idea to rest more. And so it's your body's just telling you to do that. Which yeah, is when it goes that fever, starts spiking up, and yeah, they, he feels weak and, and all that. You know, you mentioned that little trick of waking up in the morning or waking up in the middle of the night. See, with my schedule, uh, when I open up my eyes, I'm thinking, okay, what time is it? Before I look at my at my phone and I think okay it's oh please don't let it be 3.30 please don't let it be 3.30 and then I look at it's 1 o'clock in the morning oh great I got two more hours of sleep <laughs> every, every single morning I got my news director Tim laughing he probably does the same darn thing alright thank you Nick it's a pleasure how, how do folks find you online tell folks about BrainTap uh, we go, you, go to, you go to BrainTap.com it's an app you can download it uh, from the app stores but if you go to BrainTap.com we give you all the links and you just use any pair of headphones, or you can upgrade to our headset that brings light therapy into the picture, which makes it even more profound. So this is all about a power nap. Uh, this is all about doing something in the morning that's going to be like a digital cup of coffee. Quick 10-minute session gives you like two hours extra sleep equivalency. In the afternoon, you can make your 3 o'clock feel like 8 a.m. or do it as you go to bed so you sleep better. So. Lots of places to use it, and thank you for having me on the show. You bet. Thank you, Nick. Nick Saldesteni with BrainTap. This is The Sergio Show.